Hi everyone, I'm Christina Burnett, your host for the It's Natural podcast. Hi friends, welcome back. I'm so happy to be joining you in your ear wherever you may be. And this week's episode, I'm really happy to be talking about as we are talking about meditating. And and the inspiration for this episode, again, comes from you. As we have received countless questions pertaining to how to start meditating or how to get over some hurdles when you are a beginner, and also if we were coming out with any guides. So with this topic today, I wanted to dive in more deeply and not do short snippet answers about meditating, but to go into ways I have found that have worked to go over different methods of meditation and also go into the benefits of having a practice of meditating, whether you want to do that daily or if it's just one of those tools in your toolbox for when you are feeling mentally drained or you're feeling depressed or anything that is coming up and arising and you just need more resources and support. Meditation, I will say and always say I'm a huge fan and advocate for meditating as it is available and free to everyone. And it's one of those practices, again, that can be tailored to you and your needs. So on that, let's get into it. And now from this episode's sponsor, Now that school's back in session and with busy schedules, many of us are looking for effective ways to support our health and overall wellness. And one way to support our health is by taking vitamins to help support various deficiencies caused by nutritional, environmental, physical, and mental stressors that may be placed upon our bodies. And I know it can be disheartening and confusing when you're looking into vitamins and supplements to find out that many brands use ingredients that contain fillers, GMOs, and other toxins that aren't compatible with wanting to support our overall health. And that's why my family and I use Symbiotica's vitamins. When I came across this brand a couple years ago, I truly appreciated how transparent they were with the ingredients they were putting into each vitamin and supplement. Not only did I notice a difference in how I was feeling when I was taking their vitamins, but also loved how easy they were to incorporate into my routine. So I have an on and off relationship with coffee, but one beverage I like to consistently drink is Symbiotica's Shilajit Mineral Resin. Shilajit has been around for centuries, used in Ayurvedic and Eastern medicine. Drinking Shilajit offers 86 trace minerals and antioxidants in it, while being a delicious, cozy drink. And especially now with school back in session and kids and germs and sickness seem to be a magnet to each other, I love taking the vitamin C and coated silver along with the super greens just to make sure my immune system is getting the extra support it needs. And these are also great products I like to take along with us while we travel. 
make sure that we are staying healthy while traveling. And a few of my other favorite products from Symbiotica that I always have in rotation is their magnesium L-theanates, their adrenal support formula, and then their golden mine and longevity mushrooms for brain support. Not only are Symbiotica's products effective and convenient, they also taste good, which I know can be a hurdle for some. And Symbiotica was gracious enough to offer its natural listeners a 15% discount site-wide using the code EVERGREENLIVING. Again, for 15% off site-wide, that's EVERGREENLIVING, E-V-E-R-G-R-E. E-E-N-L-I-V-I-N-G. The key to sticking to any health and wellness routine for me is convenience and effectiveness. And I couldn't think of a more synonymous and aligned woman-led brand than Higher Dose. My love affair with Higher Dose began with their sauna blanket, which I found so effective and yet convenient to have all the benefits of a sauna packed into their high-quality sauna blanket. I still find it so convenient to have all the benefits of a sauna without the bulk of a traditional sauna unit still reaping all the benefits in my home, which makes me use it even more often as a busy mom because I can include it easily into my routine. Higher Dose is bringing at-home wellness tools using nature-inspired technologies to release a dose of feel-good chemicals, aka dopamine, oxytocin, serotonin, and endorphins that elevate your mood, promote a healthy glow, support long-term health benefits, and lift your spirit. Even though their sauna mat was my intro into the brand, I have since fallen in love with their wide range of products and have also added them to my wellness toolbox. Their PEMF mat and red light therapy mask are one of my go-tos, along with their line of magnesium products. The magnesium gummies and bath soaks are among my favorites. And Higher Dose was kind enough to offer the It's Natural listeners 15% off site-wide with the code EVERGREEN. That's 15% off site-wide with the code EVERGREEN. E-V-E-R-G-R-E-E-N. I know you'll fall in love with how easy and effective Higher Dose's products are and how you will feel afterwards. Enjoy! So why meditation? I feel meditation is one of those topics, especially in the wellness space, but even beyond, even in business, even into psychology, ways and tips to how to deal with stress and medical articles. While meditation is brought up so much, it's funny the correlation, though, with how many people actually meditate and have a regular practice. I feel it isn't as equal. So meditation, while it has been around for thousands of years, more recently become popular here in the United States and the Western world. And even the studies behind meditation and how it affects us, there are numerous studies continuing on and ongoing, but there's over thousands of studies that have been done on the topic. And with that much backing from the science and medical community and then the wellness and spiritual aspects of it, you think there would be more people practicing. And I think the disconnect is really there's not as many guides talking about the very basic of how to get started. It's kind of just left up to those who are reading about it or learning about it to kind of find it on their own. Or there's that notion that you have to go away to a retreat for several 
weeks to a month, sometimes having to travel, you know, to India and that classic scenario. So while some of that is true and you can do that, there are a lot of simple ways to get started. And it's not as big of a mountain that I think we sometimes mentally make it. And I think sometimes getting a meditation practice started is us our, ourselves are our biggest roadblocks because meditation is a practice of bringing ourselves and our awareness inward. And that is contrary to pretty much everything that we see right now from this podcast to you know, listening to music, to social media, to hanging out with and going out to dinner with friends, spending a night out and going to a party, all of that, even, I mean, even coming back, even workouts, most workouts now and workout classes, taking us and our focus outside of ourselves. Whereas meditation is the invitation to come in. And that is sometimes scary in itself. And it's sometimes uncomfortable. And sometimes, again, we are our biggest hurdle to starting a meditation practice. So I want to make this as streamlined as possible for you. So when you come up with those feelings of resistance, you can easily get over them or you have tools and methods in order to get through it. I find sometimes, too, with different practices, sometimes I feel like it can be your biggest jumping off point is the start. And that's the hardest point in the whole journey. And I especially see that with meditation. And I know when I'm starting out and trying something new, while I do like to do usually a lot of research and looking into the benefits and if it's for me or not, I love personal testimonies and personal stories about it. So I've been meditating probably since high school. However, I must say, when I first began meditating, I didn't really create a solid practice for myself and I didn't really do it consistently. However, I did like it. And I think in that era, it was very much synonymous with yoga. And I was kind of, I think, I can't remember exactly the first time I meditated, but I believe it was within a yoga class. And I did like it. Like I said, I did notice some resistance because at the time I was a teenager and that era of health and wellness just wasn't really there. So you pretty much the message was you exercise and did exercises to lose weight. And that was pretty much everyone's motivation or to do bodybuilding or, you know, in some of that arena. But the message of actually taking care of your health was not really there where you had to look in the fine, 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 fine print of some article. But the fitness magazines, all the messages at that time and the sizing of clothing, you know, your goal was to so get into a double zero and the message of, again, taking care of your health, the mental, emotional, physical components of that just wasn't in the mainstream and I really didn't have any good models of it. So meditating and slowing down, that message just, and I mean, it's still there and it's still right now, it's uncomfortable for many. So again, it wasn't a consistent practice, but I did stick with yoga. I went to probably more of the harder, just the more harder levels because while I did love yoga and 
slowly through different teachers and classes, the message of taking care of yourself and slowing down mentally did start to seep in slowly. However, at the beginning, it was just to be completely honest and transparent. It was mostly to lose weight or get stronger. Those superficial basis is what started my journey. It's funny, they kind of are synonymous with my just kind of health journey and fitness journey. I have always loved and appreciated both yoga and meditating. I know they don't have to go together. You don't even have to do each. But at the time, that's really what brought it through. And so when I got into meditating, I would say about 10 years ago or so, like more consistently and more as a practice of taking care of myself, it was introduced more through, again, yoga classes and instructors who would help guide us through, you know, at the end of a practice. And I think around that time, too, I was reading, I think it's called like the Buddha's brain, I believe. I don't think it's the Buddhist brain, but I think it's the Buddha's brain. Buddhist books that were about Buddhism and also Taoism and kind of those philosophies. And while the books were not synonymous with meditating, it was mentioned throughout those books. I follow, you know, again, if you're continually shown something I was finally getting the clue that this is beneficial and this is helpful. So I really started to practice it, I would say, maybe a couple times a month. And once more, I really did like it and value those times. Then to skip forward to really where it became cemented as a practice that I always reach for was around the time I had my son and a little bit before that. So I think the messaging too around this time slowly started to shift about the importance of taking care of your mental health and physical health. And at that time, I was dealing with a lot of anxiety. And then after my son, I was dealing with some pretty bad depression and postpartum and really bad anxiety. I should actually skip back a little bit too. I did major psychology and the benefits and then the uptick of kind of mental health and the tools and meditation being one of those kind of coincided. And at this time, um, and then once I had my son too, I had an uptick and really severe depression and postpartum. One of the tools that really helped me through this time was meditating. And then since then, my love for it has kept it consistent in my practice and in my life. And when I say consistent, sometimes this goes through, again, me doing it daily to twice a day morning and evening to sometimes doing it, you know, a couple times a week. So I have gone in ebb and flows just like life with my practice. And right now, I would have to say I'm doing it daily to almost daily. With the span of meditating and it now being one of my go-tos for knowing how to help myself feel better, again, that's not perfection. But it it does always help me feel better. And some of those sessions, you know, get interrupted. Sometimes I have to quit earlier. 
something comes up. So perfection is not the goal here. And I think that's really important to point out because I think when you see somebody meditate, it's usually the most optimal setting, the optimal lighting, the optimal, you know, lack of sound. So I think it's important to share that shit happens. Shit comes up like it's always life is evolving. And I mean, that's the beautiful practice of meditating is it's showing you that and not to get hung up when things don't go as planned. And that's part of the beauty of it. So I know meditation is a lot of people's curiosity. Back to a lot of studies are in medical journals now, in articles, they're everywhere showing the benefits. But there are many common issues I know I had and many of us had. And I thought I would just quickly go over that. So some of the common issues, and this is also from comments left by you and wanting to start or having tried to meditate previously and somehow it wasn't successful. So yes, falling asleep when you're first trying is normal. Everyone has had it done. I still, even after this, all this time and all these years, I still have almost fallen asleep. And quite frankly, the rising and doing it first thing when you wake up in different seasons of, I don't know if it's clearly the season of the year we're at, the season I am in my sleep hormone cycle, what I'm needing, what my body's needing. Sometimes first thing in the morning or waking up early to meditate first thing in the morning doesn't work with me and doesn't work with my system. Sometimes I have to do a few things, whether that's a movement and exercise first, or sometimes it's doing the whole morning scramble and dropping my kiddo off at school, then coming home and meditating or squeezing in at different times throughout the day that are working for me. But yes, falling asleep is falling asleep is not unusual during meditating when you're first starting. So you kind of have to find a time that's right for you. Don't go off of when everybody else does it. Maybe first thing in the morning is right for you or that is right for your schedule. But find a way and that works for you. The reason why it's so natural is because think of a time in your day that you consistently every day don't have any distractions. There's not a phone. There's not a screen in front of you. It is quiet. You are listening internally. There is no output. You're not talking to anyone. You're not listening to music. Whatever it may be, there are no external distractions. When else does that happen to you? But before you go to bed. I mean, if that happens more in your life and you have those moments, that is beautiful. But mainly that is only the time when our body can fully relax and our brain has been trained to relax. And I mean, sometimes this is even a struggle for myself at times and for a lot of people I know that that's an issue when we're falling asleep. We see countless studies showing and the stats of how hard it is for people to fall asleep. So if you fall asleep, don't give up just finds maybe a different way to incorporate it or just shorten the first one. And don't worry, we'll go in more in depth about that. And the next hurdle I hear and every meditator hears is 
I can't stop thoughts. I can't think about nothing. I can't think about nothing. There's always thoughts in my head. There's always something going on in my mind. Again, this is normal. Every meditator, even a monk, even seasoned veteran monks and meditators who this is their life devotion, thoughts still come up in their head. To say that there's never going to be a thought in your head during these times, I just, you'll see though. I promise that you'll see over time how they do almost, it's like a, I don't know, water faucet. It's will become slowly a slow drip and you will be more of a witness to your thoughts. So you thinking and your brain being turned on and you're worried about, you know, the to-do list and what appointments you have coming up and what is on your agenda and, oh, you forgot this. And that is all very normal. It's one of the most natural parts of meditation. While your thoughts might change a rhythm to a slower pace or as you become more of the observer, the thoughts you will see will start to slow down. As your mind and body become more comfortable and having this practice become a normal part of your routine, you will also see how you will be able to settle in to your practice more quickly and how easier it will become over time. This again, I don't want to give a specific window of time because there are days where my mind is a little more busier than other times and other times I can just settle right in. However, just to give perspective, when I first started, it was the 5, 10, 15 meditation routine. And with that, that was doing pretty good. It took me a while consistently. But now when I drop into my meditation practices, it's usually, and it's not me even trying, it's just, it is the time that's I'm doing and that feels good and I can easily drop in and somehow time just warps is the way I can describe it. But now it's either where anywhere from a half an hour to close to 50 minutes or so. And I remember people years ago talking about, you know, these long practices and I just couldn't even fathom it. So easy, so natural. And somehow it only feels like five minutes and I will look at my clock and I can't believe how much time has gone by sometimes because it'll seem like nothing. So again, when you're starting, be patient. It will grow and change along with your practice. And this is also about your body settling into a steady rhythm that isn't propelled by your to-do list can be uncomfortable. So before we move on to more of the benefits and the medical studies and how it affects us, I thought it'd be helpful to go over just the basics of what is meditation. Meditation, you hear it and see it in so many different places, but there's different translations and different methods of meditating. And with those different methods of meditating, I think there's also different translations in what meditation is and what it's actually quote unquote doing. So I thought it would be just helpful to go over what is meditating. 
Meditation connects the mind and the body, bringing mental and physical peace. It typically requires more of a pause than mindfulness and requires concentration, not just attention. Meditation is a tool for individuals to live mindfully, a means to become more present, pay extra attention, and be less judgmental and boost compassion. Some types of meditation involve maintaining a mental focus on a particular sensation, such as breathing, a sound, a visual image, or a mantra, which is a repeated word or phrase. Other meditations include mindfulness, non-judgmental attention, or awareness of the present moment. And I think sometimes, too, we also, like, there's layers to our health. There's also layers to our mental faculties. So this one NIH article, I liked how they broke it down. So where is this deep focus? It is, one, in our physical body. Two, it is in our inner faculty, the working consciousness, which is constantly changing. This consists of the mind which is the processes, sensory perception, and has the quality of duality, as seen in pairs of opposites, for example, pleasure and pain, good and bad, hot and cold. Then there's our intellect, which analyzes, discriminates, decides, and judges. Then there's the ego, which is the doer and the experiencer. And then there's another layer to this, and this kind of concept of the jitta, has been kind of prescribed to by Hinduism and Buddhism, different Middle Eastern religions, but also medical practices and also Ayurveda and traditional Chinese medicine and also kind of more metaphysical, spiritual kind of beliefs. And this is the storehouse of all our memories, impressions of life kind of the universal of us or in our chakra system, it would be the top crown chakra that connects us to the universe or kind of that connection that we are everything. So that connection of the part of us that is the universe, the part of the universe that is us, that connection. And then there is the deep inner self, and that is the non-changing pure consciousness, which has the quality of unity and witnesses the activity of the inner faculty. The deep inner self is the source of all knowledge, intelligence, creativity, and all natural laws that govern the existence. So I just like this breakdown of the different components to our psyche and our mental um, observations that are going on even when we are sleeping, even when we're in a quiet meditative state, how much our body is still connecting to our inside and outside translations and sensations and cues that we're still getting even in a meditative silent state. And another aspect, and this is my own take and commentary on meditation and from my studies of world religions, metaphysical beliefs, and even with science and physics and quantum physics, there is the notion too, and kind of what I was mentioning too with our crown chakra and us being connected to the universe, I think we also forget how much 
of our existence and our state of being is not solid. We're not solid material. We're more energy. It's quite amazing, like just what science is learning and exploring and what some of these ancient wisdoms already knew. But just how much space is in between each atom, each molecule, how we're actually more space than solid. It's quite mind boggling. And I just love learning that aspect. But as it relates to meditation, I think meditation, at least for me, it also reharmonizes that state, our energetic being that we are. To me, I think there's something to that of it's reharmonizing and us coming back within is re-energizing our own states. And I don't know if we can quantify that into medical terms yet, but I hopefully in the near future we will get there and our understanding will expand on that. Again, that's my own take. And you don't have to go into that aspect of it at all. So since meditation has been around for so long, I thought it'd be helpful just to go over a very simplified history of how it came to be and just our knowledge and understanding of meditation. So the earliest records of meditation practices date back to 1500 years ago BCE. It seems to have been an integral part of the earliest forms of the Vedic or early Hindu schools in India in the 6th and to 4th century BCE. And the Chinese Taoist and Indian Buddhist traditions began to develop their own versions of meditation practices. Then further west, early forms of meditation practice were developed by, by notable figures of Philo of Alexandria and the Desert Fathers of the Middle East. Then there's also a notation, too, of St. Augustine also. Use as a spiritual practice. The practice as a formal component of the spiritual path is probably most closely associated with Buddhism. The Buddha who lived and taught in Southeast Asia about 2,600 years ago founded an experimental path that inspired generations of practitioners to sit in a mindful awareness and breathe their way to lasting peace. I know a very condensed and very, very, very simplified history of the roots of where meditation has come out into reaching us here in the Western society. And we see that what they knew intrinsically and through the benefits of their own practice, we are seeing that evidence leak into science with it not only being recommended to practice, but also the studies that are coming out of the benefits of meditation and mindfulness. So some of the reductions in symptoms that we have seen so far, the list is quite extensive, especially in when it's coming to medicine and psychology. For example, researchers have reviewed more than 200 studies on meditation among healthy people and found mindfulness-based therapy was especially effective for reducing stress, anxiety, and depression. Mindfulness can also help treat people with specific problems, including depression, pain, smoking, and addiction. Some of the most promising research has looked at people with depression, and several studies have found, for example, that MBCT, which is a practice and therapy 
that is using mindfulness within the therapy sessions and the strategy that they use, but that it can significantly reduce the relapse in people who have had previous episodes of major depression. What's more, mindfulness-based interventions can improve physical health too. For example, meditation can reduce pain, fatigue, and stress in people with chronic pain. Other studies have found preliminary evidence that mindfulness might boost the immune system and help people recover more quickly from cold and flu symptoms. So not only is this practice amazing, but just when we put our mind to something, how powerful our bodies and minds are is quite remarkable. So our mind and body are so remarkable and amazing. And the effects of meditation are far-reaching, positively impacting our physical and mental health. And I think from these generalized, more generalized studies, I have seen now with the research that they are getting more even finite in the specific areas that they're trying to target with meditation and mindfulness practices. So you have the studies showing the reduction in anxiety, depression, stress levels, and job burnout. But then you're getting more finite studies that are showing the benefits of meditation on the brain. So like slowing of brain aging, particularly thinning of the prefrontal cortex. Then you have improved attention has been shown increased innovation, better problem solving. And then we're also seeing the effectiveness with mental health conditions, improving following a trauma or traumatic experience. And then switching over to other physical benefits that are showing up and being backed by research is that this there's a strengthening in the immune function but there's reduction in stress overall and improved sleep, reduced panic attacks, increased work satisfaction, reduction in chronic pain, reduced hypertension, and lowered risk of cardiovascular disease. So I think it's one of those really great wellness tools because not only, again, like I mentioned, it is free and available to everyone, but then we see so many now science-based knowledge supporting centuries-old practices of meditation. There isn't a one-size-fits-all with meditation. And I think that's another beautiful aspect that I appreciate and why I think a lot of people can do it. Almost everyone can do it because there are so many different ways to meditate. And some of the types of meditation, it's kind of tricky, I guess, to break down the ways of meditation because some of them are very similar and coincide. Some of them just have taken off from a different form. So there's just little branches, but they all seem to have the same basis and intention behind them. So types of meditation that you will hear about. And again, I might have left a few out because they, there's a lot that are very similar to each other. But there's the guided meditation where somebody takes you through the meditation process and is talking you through it. Sometimes this can go into a visualization meditation. 
which you are viewing sometimes an object or a scene. Guided meditation can also be where somebody's just taking you through your meditation so you aren't getting hung up. I think it's a great way, especially for um, beginners to start with because it's kind of taking you through the journey so you're not getting hung up on it being too quiet or having to sit in a certain way or your body physically being uncomfortable with just being still or your mind being comfortable with trying to be still. It's, I think, a very beginner-friendly practice. And again, guided meditation can kind of then go into visualization meditation depending on who the person is. Sometimes they will have you visualize different scenarios objects, a scene, whether that's through a meadow or whatever it may be. Those two meditations are very beginner friendly and they kind of, again, kind of cross together. Another meditation that is also, I think, very helpful too and is mantra meditation. And while they usually are while they usually are separated, I think they're pretty similar in a lot of ways is mantra meditation and transcendental meditation, where I think transcendental meditation, not knocking it whatsoever, I think it is beneficial and helpful, but kind of there's some mysticism with it because you have to go away and usually study at one of their facilities, or I think they were even doing online courses during the pandemic which I know is helpful and a little more accessible to some, but you're giving, with transcendental meditation in particular, you're giving a specific mantra. And the research I've heard in, about it and around it is it's supposed to be a secret mantra given only to you, but I've heard it's kind of a word. I believe it's supposed to be Sanskrit. And technically, it's only based of, off of your sex and your age group. It's, and it doesn't really mean, it doesn't have a meaning behind it, which is the thought process. I've talked to those who have practiced it and are um, practitioners of transcendental meditation. You're given a mantra and it's not, you're like not supposed to tell anybody what it is and this and that, but it's kind of a nonsense or a word that doesn't really mean anything. So as you're repeating it, your brain isn't going on like the meaning of the word or things that might be associated with the word or anything like that. So I do think that's helpful. I think there is just a little bit of a too much a cult following almost kind of around us that makes it more mysterious than it actually is. But kind of with transcendental there's also mantra meditations, which I actually still use. And I think that's another easy way to get into meditating is just repeating a mantra. And that can be something of kind of on the opposite side. It can be something very simple and something that is important to you or that is reminding you of what you're wanting to grow or expand on. Another type of meditation is present moment meditation. So under this type of meditation, there are some subsets of types of present moments meditation, such as awareness of sensations. So kind of doing body scans and seeing, you know, are you feeling an unusual pressure somewhere? Is there somewhere that's tighter in your body? 
Are you holding your body in a specific way without even realizing it? Or another avenue of present moment meditation is then being aware of your emotions and thoughts that are occurring. And this kind of coincides with also another type of meditation that I'm really forgetting, but it's called like the observer, I believe, meditation, where you are becoming the observer of what's coming up. And then this is kind of those who are worried about like, oh, I'm always thinking and, you know, my brain doesn't shut off. And how I was saying that happens to all of us. In these, you're becoming the observer of your emotion and what is arising, but you're not attaching to it. So I like to use it, the analogy of a helium balloon floating by and you're just not grabbing onto it. You're just letting it pass through and you're watching it as it goes through, but you're not anticipating it. You're not giving any meaning to it. Any, You're not holding on to it at all. You're just letting it go. And that's kind of what present moments meditation is. And then the next type of meditation is, and I must say, I'm just laughing because I'm like, oh, and I do this one and that one. I have practiced many of these. I can't really think of one I haven't practiced right now. But loving kindness meditation. I really like this practice. And if you're trying to work on something, maybe you're holding a grudge against somebody or you're holding on to negative emotions or you have seen that you're reacting in a certain way. Or if you're even dealing with self-love issues and those come in all different forms, but if you're coming or dealing with those, loving kindness meditations are really nice because I am trying to think of how I used to do it. I think I would start at my feet and then work my way up and think each part of my body. But as you're thinking and you grow, in your evolution and your appreciation and love for yourself, you can then take it out into the world. And so as you're meditating, it's a little bit of a kind of a guided meditation too, because then you're kind of going outside of yourself, then to your neighbor, then to your community, then to your country, then to the world. And you're just expanding your field of love, how your emotions are, how your just as kind of that back to that connection your attitude towards yourself is kind of the attitude towards your outside world and trying to foster that and it's a really beautiful practice and then for another practice of meditating this one I've done as well I really do like to mix it up so right now I do kind of blend some practices together and I've kind of created my own I kind of go off of what and how I'm feeling for that day and what I need and the support I need. I pick and choose. I think that's another helpful tip is once you get started or wanting to start and one doesn't work out, there are different types out there. And again, I've tried many, many. I've tried this whole list so far. Chakra meditation. So the chakra meditations is like I was mentioning with the loving kindness, how you are going through different parts of your body. But with this one, at least the way I have done it, and again, it kind of varies. You go through, again, starting at your root chakra and then going up through different systems. Um, you can find these lists of your chakra systems at a quick Google search. It's very easy. But these different energy centers in your body, 
and you are fine-tuning the energy in the center. So like your root chakra, for example, is your basis and kind of the first level of the chakra zones. And that one is more about, you know, being rooted and grounded, your security. And then with each chakra system, it kind of has an emotions attached to it. It has a color. So your root chakra would be red. And then you visualize a red circle that kind of emanates and is in harmony. And you kind of circle it going clockwise and being in a harmonious and balanced state. And you kind of go up your body through your different chakra centers. So you kind of analyze how you're feeling in each chakra system. And you're seeing, you know, if your emotions are feeling balanced there, you're visualizing the circle. Is it feeling a little bit? out of whack, maybe that's how you might be feeling emotionally or physically out of balance in that area. So it's just to harmonize the different chakra systems in energy systems in your body. And then the next type of meditation, people forget that it's actually a meditation practice is how it started. But yoga, yoga meditation is another type of meditation. Yoga being a source of movement as you're meditating. There's also walking meditations that I love and I have found useful too. And then to summarize, because there are so many in-betweens, but visualization meditation. So with visualization meditations, how you can be given like an object, a scenario, something that you're visualizing with your mind's eye. And a note here though, this is one area where I always kind of had trouble and I didn't know this existed. And I'm sorry, but I'm opening a whole can of worms. It's kind of like the a couple, was it a year ago or so that there was an article in Psychology Today, I believe, but it was a psychology-based magazine. At least I know, I believe it was Psychology Today. And it was discussing that how a lot of us don't have inner, not a lot of us, should scratch that. But some of us don't have inner monologues. And I know that became very trendy and kind of even me, I cannot fathom. I have such a loud inner monologue. So if I can meditate, anyone can because I have a loud inner voice. But they were saying how some people don't have that. Then it was coming out too. And this is where um, it leads into visualization that some people don't really have a mind's eye. So some people can, there was a graph and it showed on a spectrum, I think it was like only out of five, an apple. And there's like a bright red 3D apple. Then there's kind of a flatter, more dimmer colored apple. Then it fades as the numbers go. It fades to kind of a grayscale and then kind of to a blur and then to nothing. And I'm kind of, when I visualize something, it's hard to describe. So I don't get a clear mental picture. It's kind of maybe grayscale-ish to sometimes nothing. And I feel like somehow that got, has gotten even worse. And it's, I know, again, a whole can of worms. But when it comes to visualization, if that is something that doesn't work for you, there are other types. And I have found a little trick with this. And I feel like this would be a whole nother category of meditation. But if I can't visualize a scene or something I want to happen, I actually focus more on 
how I would feel, the emotions I would feel when this certain goal is reached or this certain. So I, instead of visualizing, I go over how I would feel if this goal was reached or this milestone was marked in, how that would make me feel. And then I try to hold on to that feeling. And I think that's another important aspect of meditation. And I think another subcategory that I want to create in the type of meditation, kind of, I guess it would go with the loving kindness meditation, meditation style. But that is a trick if you have come across that in visualizing or trying to use your mind's eye doesn't work for you. So we have gone over this far the very brief history and background of meditation, the medical studies that have been done and how it can affect us mentally, physically, and emotionally. However, I know there's some of you who are still hesitating in wanting to meditate. And I think this is where I want to connect with you. And if that is you and the hesitation comes from the silence and the peace. I want you to know that that is also very normal. It is normal, unfortunately, right now, whether that's because how busy our lives are, whether that's due to past trauma, whether that's due to emotional and just the energy of your childhood and what's normal, quote unquote, to you. Is we've gotten so used to being busy all the time and to find that comfort in that go, go, go. And I know when we stop and when there's those in-between times when suddenly we have those moments of clearness in our schedule or space in our schedule, that it can create an uncomfortableness. And sometimes that can be loneliness. Sometimes that can be unprocessed emotions come up. Sometimes that can be just that literally it can even physically feel uncomfortable. And I know it's so easy to fill the spaces, even whether that's, you know, even offline, whether that's learning. My thing is I constantly am reading or watching a YouTube video or even listening to other podcasts or audiobooks to fill up. Not the time. I don't think it's unconsciously at least it's not me trying to fill up space there's only so many hours in a day and I feel sometimes I have to utilize them but there's the art and beauty that is being lost and we see it and I know I see it for myself in my own life but the art of just being still the art of doing nothing the art of play and silence and I think that's what meditation has also helped me to deal with is being okay. I'm still not perfect at it, but that peace is something that we deserve. That silence is something that we deserve. And that peace is something that you deserve. Peace in your physical body, peace in your surroundings, peace mentally, emotionally. And I think meditation, for me, at least helps bring that back home and in that driver's seat and be able to take control over that peace internally. And then I can spread that then 
more outwardly, but it does take that going inward. And the longer you do meditation, more easily it just becomes, it becomes so much more seamless. But knowing that, you know, the loudness will be there once you get off your mat, the to-do list will be there, but how you will handle it and approach it will be so much more different. That difference in strategy only comes from the silence of going within and analyzing that. There are different meditations. So if the silence of meditation is too great at first, that is understandable. But I do say, and I think it can become a practice and a comfortable, cozy spot for everyone the more we practice it, because I know it has for me. And like I was saying, I have a very loud internal monologue at all times. And so if that is you, that is also me. So I see that and I know how tricky that is to sometimes silence. But also I think meditation too as a tool. So if you are someone who's coming at it strategically, it is helpful. So how I had mentioned that visualizing something isn't for me right now. But focusing on the goal and how I want to feel with it and kind of walking myself through that scenario as a strategy has also been so helpful. And to have that silence allows us to be creative and playful and to come up with new ideas and for that connection with a different side of us that sometimes I think is silenced or whether that's in childhood or whether we silence it with the noise of being an adult now. It can come through with such clarity. Being the observer allows you not to hold on so tight to thoughts and emotions that arise, but you can see new creative ideas that can be explored once you get off the mat and how you can approach life in a new way with new strategies and whether it's an argument that you want to avoid or a new way you want to communicate with somebody or a new way you want to show you love yourself or somebody else or how you want to go on an adventure and travel. Different aspects of ourselves can come through during meditation. It's a really beautiful practice that not only do I want to share it, hence why I'm talking to you right now, but it's one of those practices that I always have in my back pocket and is something that I come to daily. And hopefully if it's not daily, it's regularly. It's always there. And I hope you will find value in it as well. I know at this point there are a few of you and I probably would have been the same. So I don't want to leave you out on a cliffhanger, but you're probably wondering, this is all great and everything, but how do I meditate? And again, this is not a cliffhanger, but we will be launching on It's Natural, a series. And from time to time, we will be doing guided meditations and they will probably be more of bonus episodes, but they will utilize the different types of meditation strategies that there are. Like I said, I don't think there's a one size fits all for most things. So that is the strategy we will be using for the guided meditations. And the, some of them will be a little bit more broad and just more of relaxation. And some of them more will be more focused on certain topics 
And as always, we listen to you. So if you have any requests, please leave them in the comments on our latest Instagram post, or you can leave them in the review section as a suggestion of a topic that you would like to hear. And we always are listening to you. So please feel free to leave your comments on what you would like to hear and the types of meditations you would like to hear. And since we are talking about how to start your own meditation journey, these will be a little bit more shorter. We will be starting with a five to 10 minutes meditations. That way it's very bite-sized and will allow you to get settled in and have a successful first meditation. So we will be starting that series the next time you listen to us if you're interested in starting your own meditation practice. I know this is a little bit of a different episode, but I'm so glad that we have dived into the world and all things meditation. Again, that was from you and your questions that got brought in. So if you would like to help this podcast, please subscribe, rate, and review. And as always, we're open to your comments and suggestions. So leave that down when you rate or review this podcast as we are always going through them. And that's where we get most of our topics from. And we would also like to thank this episode's sponsors of Symbiotica and Higher Dose. Remember, the links will be down below in the show notes to get your 15% off their site, site-wide. Thank you again to Symbiotica and Higher Dose. And I look forward to talking to you in next week's episode. Thanks for joining me. Bye.